0: Hello, welcome to Graphic Policy Radio. This is your host, Elon Levin, a.k.a. Ilana Brooklyn. This is the show for geeks who think that diversity is an essential part of any fantasy world building, just as it's an essential part of the actual world we live in today. Um, and today we have a very interesting uh, couple of guests joining us. We'll be talking about something that isn't comics and isn't a comics movie. In fact, it's a whole new uh, science fiction-driven universe that we are invited to be a part of in an integral way from the beginning. Our guests are going to be joining us to discuss the Celerus, Celerius, sorry, the Celerius universe. It's an original transmedia cyberpunk franchise that leverages blockchain technology and user-generated assets to create a collaborative, fan-curated story. That means they want you to be part of the writing process. So my questions were things like, do fans want to write in a new universe? How does all of this work for people who want to participate? What role does diversity in the presentation play in building a user-generated world? And how does ownership of content play out in a situation like this? These are some pretty big questions. So I have some pretty awesome guests to talk about it with me including Gregory Weiving, who uh, is one of the folks who uh, first introduced me to this project in the first place. He's the uh, community ethics and inclusion lead of the Solarius Universe. And also joining me is Kat Overland. She's the small press editor at Women Write About Comics, and she's a fanfic aficionado, bringing that particular analysis to the project as well. So thank you for joining me, you guys.
1: Thanks Thanks
0: for having me. Yay. So... I want to get started with Greg? How did this project come to be, and how did you connect with it? What is the backstory of the actual Solarius universe existing in the real world? So, so I would
1: say that the the genesis of Solarius was probably a an idea from my friend Igor, um, or at least a conversation between himself and one of the other co-founders, Mark D'Agostino. Um, I know that there are two other founders who have also been involved in early stages. Uh, That would be Anthony Apollo and Tyler Smith. Uh, But as I understand it, I think at the beginning it was Igor either working through some ideas with his buddy Mark or Igor having some questions and then running them by his friend Mark. Um, And I kind of came into that equation in the summer fall of last year just hearing it from him. Just as two friends talking about, you know, what are you doing in life? I had no idea that it was a potential job opportunity or um, or, or a company to start. I think it was us just kind of talking about science fiction. Uh, by the fall of last year, it started to become a real thing that he could talk to me about. As as in, you know, I'm actually working on this uh, in my role at working at the parent company, Consensus, and I told him quite candidly if there was an opportunity for me to be a part of that, I wanted to join because I was very excited about it.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the it. Um, I don't feel like I knew the word transmedia until a few years ago. Um, but I think for the purposes of this, we're looking at transmedia, meaning um, a world in which there's, there's writing, there's animation, there's a game, there's just different kinds of story that are all happening in the same universe. And, and, you know, like Marvel Universe is a transmedia universe, right? Because you've got the same for DC. You've got comics, you've got movies, there's TV shows, there's games, there's role-playing games. Um, so, I, I, you know, transmedia is sort of a new word for an old concept. Um, but so, but the Solaris Universe is something that you guys are, like, just launching now or now-ish as a, as, as a whole new sort of fictional fantasy franchise, but that's established sort of in a cyberpunk milieu. Um, so, what like what makes this a, a, a unique process that's like different from just joining into a, a role-playing game, for example? Um, thank,
1: but thank you for that question. Uh, the, the idea of a transmedia storytelling experience is certainly uh, new to myself as well, outside of getting involved with this project. I think it's something I've interacted with, but certainly wasn't able to define. Um, I've certainly spent some time on my own trying to figure out how to answer this question for myself and uh, just as an individual who's excited about this project but also in terms of someone who's representing this company. I think one thing I'd like to start off with is I think that transmedia is something separate from what uh, a major corporation such as Marvel or maybe Warner Brothers uh, engages in, in the sense that I would call those things more like a cross-platform multimedia structure. I mean, mm-hmm. they'll have something where maybe a character has something interesting going on in a movie, and the only way to understand what happens next is you have to buy the tie-in comic book or this, or a certain uh, toy. And transmedia to me describe something where the narrative and the value of the narrative is what comes first, not the monetization of it or the arbitrary tie-in? But, mm-hmm. I, um,
2: I mean, I feel like Marvel still does that kind of thing. I feel like transmedia um, can all just be telling about um, one story where you have to... See read all the parts, even if it's not um, a tie-in comic specifically, but even just having to watch like Thor to know who Sif is when you're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like um, you're already crossing paths Um, uh, Have you guys, either of y'all, watched or uh, consumed the Lizzie Bennet diaries? No, I, I, I do not know Okay, um, so it's a web series, but it's also um, where I was introduced to transmedia, and um, so there's the web series, and then each individual character has their own YouTube video, but also Twitter, and then they also do Q&A videos with the audience. Hmm. But it's all about, um, like, I think that's transmedia, but I feel like it's Marvel can also be transmedia.
1: Does that make sense? I think that what you're describing sounds like something that actually enhances the experience. It's not arbitrarily put into place. I mean, trans means across. So if we're going to break down the term, I'd be fine with, I think it's fine to apply transmedia as an across different media um, sources to Marvel, what traditional publishing uh, platforms use. But I don't think that what we're doing is going to be a one-to-one overlap with how we oh, yeah, engage sure. in using different mediums. So maybe, I mean, maybe the term hasn't been, hasn't been properly uh, implemented or described yet. We're, we're kind of going mm-hmm. into new territory with what we're doing with this project.
0: I mean, what I think is really interesting is that right now, if, if we were to regard something like the Marvel universe of the DC universe or um, the Muppets universe whatever as a transmedia project one of the big differences would that would be that fan created content isn't considered by like the the marketing people on the inside like while it's incredibly valuable and they're glad that it exists because it's free marketing for them uh, it's not actually although some of them pretend like they don't like they don't like it but uh they they really do and it does make them money um uh, they, it's not something which they officially acknowledge, and there's definitely things that will trickle up from fandom and into the quote-unquote official story. But they're not inviting the fans to be a key part of shaping the story. Like the example I would give would be, um, you know, Loki was probably supposed to be a one-and-done character in the Marvel universe, at least at first, but because fans fell in love with this character and so much fan attention was being spent on him in terms of fan art, fan fiction, and all that other stuff. Marvel was like, okay, this is a character we're going to have to do more with. Uh, but nobody's ever, but they don't admit to them. That's not above the board. And certainly the public doesn't have any kind of actual ownership or stake um, in the same way. And it's not some, and it, it's not, it's not collaborative in an on the table sort of way. Um, and what you guys are starting here is like, is like you guys are saying, like, no, you guys are part of this from the beginning.
1: Right. I think the power element is important to to keep into mind, which is even if they were given the opportunity to create their own narrative, who owns the narrative, who can monetize the narrative, who gets to determine what happens next with it, because you you don't have that with um, a lot of these major franchises. hmm yeah. I can't think of I can't think of one major franchise like that yeah. where, you know, we look at them and we say, "Okay, you guys, you know, we've got fire under our butts, under our butts because they're they're actively implementing some of the things that we want to do and we're now coming into like a crowded space. We're not."
0: So tell me how this works in Solaris universe. Like how how do people participate in it?
1: Sure. If you don't mind, I'll describe a few things about the project, and I think that Mm -hmm. will make things a little bit more clear. Go for it. So one thing is we're building a scaffolding for this universe so that um, if it were the equivalent of like a sandbox that you can play in, we want to make sure that people know, like, this is what sand is, or this is the box, this is how large the box is, this is how far you can go in it. And in that sense, we've created a, a universe guide, and that would be one of the examples of, of something that had existed before I got on the project, and then was worked on collaboratively with all the team members. Even someone who's, who might say, I, I have a, a big background in operations or business, and I'm a fan of science fiction, but I haven't done any writing. We all actually. Collaborated in this So it was was a bit of a microcosm Of what we're doing um, In terms of our product But that universe guide Has different factions in it It has a a timeline For people to look at For when Solarius which is the the name Of the primary artificial Intelligence in our universe um, Becomes sentient Or at least starts to engage In behaviors that we are now aware of Um, It tells you uh, some things about what are the population uh, demographics at that time. So, you know, what will the world be like 60 years from now or 80 years from now? And a lot of that information we just did research on so that we could keep it as uh, accurate or semi-realistic as possible. We're going at this with more of a, a hard science fiction start. So in this first block of information... We don't want anybody to uh, write a story and say, well, Elena and Gregory wanted to get sushi in Tokyo, so they teleported from New Jersey. At this point, we're not saying that that's something that happens in this block. Um, From there, I would say that people can look at the different factions to figure out how they want to engage with this world. So we have a faction called the Ad Hocs, which are people who have made do with what's available to them. They're not necessarily of a set of means where they can get the latest things. I guess the equivalent today, uh, uh, the equivalent of someone who maybe has a, a nice display to use in terms of watching television, but it's because they made it. Or their car mm-hmm. runs fast, but it's not because it's a Porsche; it's because they've engaged in certain modifications to that vehicle to make it do what they needed to do gotcha and from from there, we want people to kind of look at those things and play with it so let's let's say for example, there's ten factions we don't want that to be the be all end all if uh a year from now, eight of the factions that we created are very active in terms of people's engagement with them, and two of them aren't very active, and people have come up with 16 more, then we're happy about it, and we engage with that, and uh, we are excited to find out, you know, what emblems people will use to uh, designate these different factions.
2: Um, So can I ask a question? So these different factions, are they – like story wise is each one its own little alternate universe set in the wider world of Solarius, or are there intercrossing stories across the factions, or is each, That's like, a great question a little more in?
1: absolutely uh the the factions are they're not separate universes um the the three of us could be. Uh, different factions and yet still interact with each other. You could have a faction like the agrarians who pride themselves on being able to live off of the land uh, in a time in which most people are living in uh, huge, huge cities um, where most of the population is is densely uh, organized and, you know, everything is, is vertical. These people are living in places where, They might not have very many neighbors nearby, and what they're providing is something that uh, is a resource for them as well as some of these neighboring uh, metropolises that that need those resources. But that's not to say that an agrarian doesn't go to the city and hang out with the denizen or that uh, somebody such as yourself writes some story about an agrarian that Maybe at a certain point in their life, they decide to move on and do something different. They want to individuate from the society that they were born into.
2: Um, so, uh, so is there any set canon outside of the world, like the universe guidelines? Um, I know a lot of online collaborative world building. Um, either of y'all um, worked with Hit Record at all? Mm-hmm. It, it's um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt like art website, basically, Um, anybody can join and you can start collaborative projects on there. And a lot of times him or his curators will notice cool projects and be like, hey, we should make an animated short from these characters and put those characters up. But a lot of those have, you know, an overarching editor for that project. So if this one is the idea is to be a collaborating community, is that one story or is it more about the world building?
1: Uh well first of all I, I am aware of Hit Record and the the team were aware of Hit Record. Uh it sounds like a great idea and uh seems very interesting. I would say to differentiate ourselves from it, we're we're building a, a large connected narrative. Uh the stories right. go back to one specific, you know, timeline currently or one specific set of ideas. Uh the the, what happens with the stories next in terms of, you know, like, what's the canon? The canon is decided by the participants. It's decided by um, any artists we might work with initially just to seed stories for the universe, like if we do some commissions. Mm-hmm. Um, those those things – so let's all I'll speak in terms of a hypothetical. Let's say we work with five different artists – or 10 artists, you know, visual artists and writers, and we ask them to see some content for this story. We want to give people more than just a scaffolding where we have different ideas. We want to give them a few narratives. Those narratives could exist and be really exciting, but people don't have to uh, tell you what happens next with um, Zandu and and Joseph. They can They can write a different story. They could write a story about, what happens to people who live in that same community? So even in that sense, we wouldn't want to dictate what happens to them. Maybe the community looks at eight stories that we release, mm-hmm. and you know they only identify with five of those eight. I would consider that a success because they're engaging with the content. I, you know, with the the goal isn't for us to really drive it so much as to provide fertile ground. If that makes Definitely. sense.
2: Definitely. I guess my question is, since they're interconnected, so in theory, you'd have creators creating together, like, "Hey, I really like your original character, and I think you'd really get along with mine. We should do something about that." Like, do you think, in that sense, the user-created content could then become part of the larger stuff that you start seeding? Absolutely. I wish you could see my. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, I I wish you could see my face because I'm lighting up just based on some of the things you're bringing up. But, you know, we can go with the example that maybe we see a story and somebody just likes the character. The story is interesting, but they're really interested in the character and they want to kind of, I don't want to use too many sports metaphors. So I'll just say they want to take that story and they want to run with it. They want to do something Mm -hmm. else with it. And that's fine. I mean, that's that's there in the universe. That's that's for everyone. Even if we were to provide that, that's not a, a sacred storyline. Uh, we're setting up a process because we're in a private alpha right now. I will ask that, you know, people who are listening to this, please apply to the alpha. We're looking for all kinds of people to get involved. Um, but we're setting up this alpha, this private alpha, to have people engage with this content and then to develop a process for ratifying content. So we have a... a champion of hilarious lore Frank Apollo whose job it is to actually review content that is submitted among many other jobs but one of his jobs is to review content that's submitted as a part of the publishing stream and to make sure that that content fits in terms of what we've set up in the universe like they can't say that um, the artificial intelligence definitively feels and thinks this way because the way we've set it up is that we wouldn't really know what it's feeling and thinking. We can only interpret it based off of its actions. Um, the same way an ant doesn't really know what I'm saying. I mean, it's the, okay. the orders of magnitude for its intelligence are so great that it would be it would be inaccurate for someone to be able to write that story. Now, it would be fine for characters to have their own idea of what the AI wants and what it's doing but we wouldn't want it to be definitive
2: okay so you're not looking to incorporate all the popular fan in that's that's being created
1: the the limitations are more objective than subjective so mm-hmm. the if you, you'll you'll get a chance to look at the the universe guide, you can download it and play around with it. Uh, send us emails directly about questions that you have or comments, things that you think should change. Um, that, that's kind of the scaffolding. That's the part that says that agrarians do exist, but doesn't say that they are 80% of the population or that the homo transcendus faction, which I think is very interesting, exists, but the, um, they don't necessarily take over a certain region. Uh, One thing we've put in there is that uh, population estimates, the growth estimates indicate that a third of the planet or a third of the planet's growth is going to come from Africa. It doesn't mean that every single story has to have African people in it. Uh, But we are saying like, these are the the general population proportions.
2: Right. Mm. Um. So,
0: I mean, so in terms of, like, the, uh, the contributing process, you know, you guys are really setting out to do this with an eye, like, based on your role as uh, the community ethics and inclusion lead. So you gave the example of the fact that this is a future world in which there are African characters, which is something that has been disturbingly absent from a great amount of time. Yeah, science it's really... Fiction. Like, good God. <laughs> so like it's you guys unfortunately are saying,
1: strange as a concept.
0: Yeah. So you guys are saying that, you know, in order for this world to exist, like in the, in, in, in the official canon of this world, guess what? X percentage of people are African and that's the way it is. So, like, let's say, but, you know, I know that there's issues in terms of, like, who fans and participants choose to to write about, right? So, like, if you end up sure. with uh, right. the first class of people who are creating work for this and they're predominantly not creating African characters in their in their user-generated, you know, characters and stuff like that. Like, how do you ad- how do you address that to make sure that the story includes, it builds that inclusion and also it's, on- so it's honoring the participants' voices, but it's also not, like, letting shit get white, basically.
1: I think, I appreciate the question. I think it's an important one, and it's certainly one that I and the, the rest of the team have, have thought about and discussed. I think it's along the lines of, looking at all the things in the universe, Guide that are sensible, rational, um, that are essential to the integrity of what we're creating, and then figuring out how to reinforce them. So one of the things I'd already said was, you know, this hilarious uh, AI, nobody understands what it's thinking. You know, people will have all kinds of ways of, of dealing with it, you know, you two might be in a religion that thinks it's delirious is a poison, and I might not be in a religion at all, but I might also think that it's a poison. Maybe I'll have a different explanation for that. There can be stories like that. I think that over time what we'll have to do is look at our content review, look at what we're providing to the community in terms of medium posts and story stems, and probably do a, a quarterly review of content along with Many axes, one of which being demographics, another one be, which I would consider as a part of Canada, another thing being um not just with the demographics of representation, but what's going on in terms of what people are writing in the story so we're we are making the assumption that in this space that you know borders don't exist in the same way the one amazing event in this timeline is that there's twenty years without any central power sources the AI takes form or at least starts to become known by us and saps us of all power, all the grids. It takes it. Obviously people are going to find ways to siphon a little bit here and there, but Solarius really kind of gets what it wants. And everybody is in darkness for 20 years, Um, except for people with, I'm assuming solar grids and and certain uh, shanty towns at the very beginning. Um, So, what we're saying is that changes the the, nat- the nature of a nation state and borders. Um, I don't know what people are going to do with that in terms of what we call the reformation period and, and the period in which the power is back on and, and people are now engaging with more technology because the AI has provided. And these aren't spoilers, by the way, all in the universe guide. But I think that's mm-hmm. an example of, something that we've kind of set up and we uh, assume people will enjoy and engage with, but we're not sure what will happen. Maybe people, maybe most of the stories will be during the 20 years of darkness. Maybe a lot of people will do stories of right before like this golden age when everything's great and and there's a lot of technology and they didn't quite know about this AI thing yet. I think for my Hmm. role, you know, being involved with, uh, community right now, physical community, but soon online community, as well as ethics and inclusion. My role will be to make sure that I'm reaching out to a lot of different content producers and a lot of different fans. Uh, I think that a lot of times in the science fiction spaces, there there are demographics of people who already have a space here, who already believe that you know the table's for them, the seat is theirs, uh, and they're going to get what they want. And it's fine for people to feel included my goal is to make sure that the other people who might be standing outside of the room, not knowing if this is a space for them are welcomed. And, you know, I think it goes without saying that often in the science fiction spaces, that's often men, often white men, often young white men, uh, often English is the language that is, mm-hmm. is preferred for these novels, but, but there's a, Much wider world out there. And I've taken it upon myself, uh, as well as other team members, to kind of push out at that. Look at different conferences, look at different communities, and figure out how do we make sure that we reach out to these people so that the question of, you know, will a third of the population be African? Or, you know, how many stories will we have uh, with women as the lead role? How do we make sure that those aren't the issues that we have to kind of directly address? How do we make sure that we've kind of as we seed a fertile ground for creative engagement, that we also seed a fertile ground for equitable engagement. Uh, so okay. I can give you two two examples of things that we've done um, that we have committed to. Uh, one is I'll be going to WISCON 42 this year, which is the country's oldest feminist science fiction conference. I am... Extremely excited. I mean, I feel like it's my second birthday for the year. I'm very excited about going there. Um, one of the authors that we've actually commissioned a story from Tanavere Due, last name D-U-E. She'll be there as a guest of honor, so I'll get a chance to meet her. Uh, her spouse was also a, a science fiction writer, um, Stephen Barnes. Um, I met him already, and so I'll be able to get a chance to kind of meet some other people who might end up working with us to seed some stories or who might just want to play around with the alpha and then maybe eventually start writing content. But they could write it under a pseudonym if they want to.
2: So I have a question. So you mentioned um, like equitable content creation and your website talks about blockchain. Sure. Uh, so
1: I can give you one other example, by the way, of our oh, commitment sorry. Sorry. to engagement. That's fine. I have these pauses because I want to make sure I don't cut people off, but I can't see you all. Um, the other event is I'm going to the Allied Media Conference in Detroit, which is my home city. I'm going with one of my coworkers who is our, our marketing lead, uh, Sean. So that will be another opportunity for us to interact with people who often do not get included in these spaces or, or who are actively excluded. The Allied Media Conference is uh, a very queer-friendly uh, very feminist, intersectional feminist space for a lot of creatives, uh, people who want to engage in businesses that change the world and they want to organize to have a positive impact on the world around them.
0: I, I just for folks who aren't familiar with Allied Media Conference what I, what excites to me particularly about this is this is a conference where you have a lot of people of color doing indi- who, do, who do independent media, and it's definitely a place with a lot of folks sort of working in the activist community and also folks working for nonprofit organizations like it's the kind of conference that i've gone to for my job so when you're thinking about where politics and public policy and media intersect with comics and geek spaces like the fact that somebody from uh, this this you know cyberpunk uh, platform is going to go to a conference that folks from like the nonprofit industrial complex are going to be going to and also folks from the independent black media and independent Latinx media are going to be that's pretty cool. Um am not, not a thing I would have assumed and I'm very excited to hear. Kat, you had a you had a question?
2: Sorry, yeah. Um oh my question was um you mentioned talking about equitable content creation and I saw that you have stuff about blockchain. I know um like that ownership I it looked like getting that actual buy-in is how you're hoping to get a lot of content creators on board?
1: Yes. And so I'll speak to it in two layers. Uh, the first one being who have we, you know, reached out for commission work. And in that sense, these are the people that were, you know, we're, we're paying them to seed content for the platform for people to kind of use that as something to get inspiration from or to work off of or to even just kind of get a better idea of what this space is. Ideally, you know, two years from now or X amount of time later, we won't have to explain what it is. We won't have to explain uh, what this new genre is that we're delving into. I would say it's under the the realm of or within the realm of science fiction or speculative fiction, and it has a uh, cyberpunk aesthetic to it we're actually setting it up differently to be block punk. And we have a Medium post on that that explains it, so I won't go into all the all the details of it. But ideally, we will, we'll will be known by how we operate as opposed to all the things that we say. Uh, the next layer of engagement, uh, aside from the people who have been commissioned for work, which is a, a wide variety of people, and I'll be working on statistics to, to explain that using numbers instead of just my words, uh, but is all of, participants so that could be my very 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 cool 19 year old nephew uh who is in college and is you know into his own things and is not impressed by me his uncle anymore because you know i'm an adult and i'm kind of old compared to him but i want him to kind of go in there and find his own space and i'm fine if it if it doesn't have overlap um if he's writing something or i find out that he is uh doing visual art and it's doing really well and he does it under the moniker um, James Cameron or Goku or Octavia Butler um, if he's doing that and people like his work and they upvote it and they're like we want this to become canon we want this to become a part of the core storyline then he can get paid for that work he can monetize it Uh, people can do something similar to Patreon where they could potentially, you know, pay him on a monthly basis or if he's working on maybe a 10-part uh, online graphic novel. And after he's done, like, the first few pages, he'll say, hey, the, what I'm doing is 30 pages for each issue. Once I reach this amount of funds, then I'll release another page because that ensures that I'm being, being paid to finish this product. So that's, wow. wh- that's where the equity part comes into play. Now, my, my and our commitment to this, is to create the equity and to create a, a business platform here where people's work, provided that it's valued by the community, the, that value can be expressed in some form of currency or financial gain. We haven't finalized that structure yet, but that is an explicit uh, part of what we're working on is making sure that this is, this is not just a place for you to write um, or read for fun. If you want to get on here and uh, people enjoy what you're doing, then we want you to be able to be compensated for it.
0: That's really radical.
1: (laughs) And we understand that there's a lot of different kinds of engagement, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to just start naming all the people that I I really like in life. Um, So I'll say Octavia, Octavia Butler will pretend like I am her, her son. And, uh, I've read my mother's work and I really appreciate it, but I've never, never thought I was as good of a writer as her. Maybe I write just on the side a little bit. And because my last name is Butler, I don't want people to, I don't want to live in her shadow. So I published under a different name. I published it under Gregory Whiting and um, I'm writing stories that are interesting, but maybe they need some editing help. And maybe there's somebody uh, who's working in this this world, you know, reading different stories, who's an editor who wants to work on editing it or says, hey, I'd love to co-write this with you because I really like the ideas that you're coming up with, but I think it could be shaped up a bit. So we would like to have people collaborate like that. Um, that's hmm. That's an online collaboration, but... We also want to do some uh, real-life collaborations. What if, what if you have a writer or a budding writer who, you know, needs help with structure but wants to work with people? Why don't we have writers' workshops at our conventions where maybe some of the people we've commissioned for work, some of the professionals, will do workshops with participants in real time, in real space, and people will develop community um, face-to-face, as well as online.
2: So we've been talking a lot about, sorry, uh, about about writing stuff. Are you guys Mm -hmm. um, going to be setting up sort of the back end for stuff like uh, film or music or or art? I mean, we talked about graphic novels.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, And uh, there have already been... Not everything has been released that we're working on, so I can just tell you that we are already actively working in those spaces as well and that we will uh, also be working in those spaces in terms of making sure that we have a platform for that as well. So, you know, I've been thinking about the written word a lot because I like that for science fiction. I like movies as well. I love short stories for science fiction, but we want people to do cosplay as well maybe you do some amazing design and you release the uh, blueprints for the cutouts of fabric that you use so that somebody else can create a similar character or something that has a similar fit. So
2: cool.
0: in terms of like, so you're looking for, so right now, like you're, who are you looking to have participate? You want writers, you want artists, filmmakers, any kinds of creators um, to, to be participating in terms of, you know, cr- creating and adding to the story or like who, who is it that you want to have participating in, and, and in what ways?
1: I want the artistic equivalent of um, Mariah Carey involved in terms of singing all the way down to someone who would burst into tears if they were invited to a karaoke party because they don't know how they'll get through it. I want people to think that they have, you know, no talent in these spaces or nothing to provide to maybe uh, cautiously engage. Maybe they're just reading or listening to music and to eventually either at a physical meetup or uh, some kind of event that we're doing online where we incentivize collaboration to have whatever it is that they need to comfortably engage with others and grow. I want people to read stories that in most cases they might not be interested in but they decide to give it a little more time because they respect the platform and maybe they respect the writer it said oh it said under genres under meta tags, that this was romance I love romance so let me give this a shot I want them to go through that and, and then find themselves you know, pleasantly surprised by what they're enjoying I think for me personally an ultimate measure of success would be if my mother cares about it because she saw one of the uh, Lord of the Rings movies with me and I it was um, it was almost like the Make-A-Wish Foundation. You know, she was just never, never into that kind of stuff. So I, I really want everybody to get involved with this.
0: Wow, I, you know, one of the things I was trying to think about in terms of like who is the likely audience for this, and you know, I was trying to think about like, you have people who are RPG players, and in some ways, this sort of feels like part of an rpg um i mean certainly like a cyberpunk setting is popular is a popular rpg setting um and you have a specific sort of rules so although it is pretty open um like do you, is there like a i think somebody on the faq had something about um one of the i don't really do like i do rpgs like around a table with various dice basically i haven't done the other kinds there was some but somebody said on your faqs that you guys had the um What's the thing that some folks do for the online role-playing collaborative thingies? Wow, I'm really...
1: Uh, I'm of? a little confused by what you're asking. Can you re- restate
2: it?
0: Yeah. Catch you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's some sort of web platform that people sometimes
2: will use for extended... Um... Oh, yeah. But I, it's just, like, like, the Twitch stream of D&D kind of stuff, right? Uh, well, I, and maybe,
0: then...
1: In the meantime, I can explain the difference between black punk and cyberpunk.
0: That gives you some
1: time to collect your thoughts. <laughs> no, that's your fine. Um,
0: I guess. I guess what I was thinking, though, is conversely, is like you have the um, you have the uh, the role. There's definitely like I think an appeal in this world for role play or for role playing folks, but possibly also for fanfic writing. I, I you know I sort of wanted to see like I, I a lot of the fan the appeal for fanfic writers comes from like writing in an existing playground with characters that you already have already know and love and have a relationship with. So I was sort of like thinking about, you know, talking with Kat, like, do you, do you think that, like, is there an in in here for folks from like the traditional, for lack of a better word, like the traditional fanfic writing community? Um, yep. Or is it sort Absolutely. of coming in for more people from like a role playing community? Because I think people are looking sort no, of different, of they, have, they have different needs sometimes in, and what they're looking for first a, for a creative and story experience um this well, actually, uh, i actually a to
1: answer your question now <laughs> uh, Sorry, I'll yeah. speak to the fanfic portion first um there's definitely space for people who come from a more traditional fanfic background to come in and play with certain characters um so for example if you look at salarius uh spell like cells of a body and then areas as in Hill minus the word Hill. Um, you can, you'll look up our, you can look up our Instagram, Salarius 2084. You can go to the YouTube site uh, for Salarius. You can go to our Twitter page and all these things will either have our video or links to videos, different trailers that we've made. One says where to, and it stars two unnamed people who are in one of the towers of the mega city And uh, this woman goes all the way down the elevator to what appears to be the ground floor. And there's a lot of different things that you see in that video that indicate um, different pathways for her in terms of what you'd write. I don't want to give away the trailer per se, but you look Mm -hmm. at it and from there you can give that person a name. Now, if you're looking for, you're like, look, that's not good enough for me. I need it to be like, you know, watching an episode of Dragon Ball Z and then, uh, figuring out what I think should happen in the next episode, well, then we have that for our, our flagship trailer with a main character named Idra, who is um, an African woman. I say African, that is in the, the trope of Africa being a country, but Africa being a large uh, region that doesn't have the same relationship with nation states um, after Solarius has taken away the power grid. So the same borders don't really apply when you don't have uh, the same infrastructure to, to recreate that. So Idra is an African woman who leads a group of uh, of people in a faction known as the Vindics, as in Vindicators. And what they do is they actively uh, get people disengaged from the AI. So no more being plugged in and playing in the virtual world, uh, no more in their words or their, their perception of it being a slave um, to the features that Solarius provides to enhance people's lives, you can look through that trailer and you you get a lot that you can work with. Um, So I think that would be an answer to your question for sure.
0: Kat, you were saying?
2: Um, I was just going to say, kind of following what you were saying, Alana, is that... um, a lot, of, a lot of fanfic writers are writing because they really like that universe or they really like those particular characters. Um, like there's a really thriving community of people that only write fanfiction about their Game of Thrones original characters. And that was like, that's a really big fandom there. And it's that sort of like this collaborative role building thing where all of their OCs interact with each other. Um, but then you have, you know, your Game of Thrones fanfic writers that just want to write about the, the characters in the novels, so well, I I like you're saying there's
1: something
2: to the hmm?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, there's still an opportunity for them to work with some characters or ideas that people are familiar with, but uh, I'll speak a little bit more to the question of you know wh- where is the value or what is the draw for them. So for the people that we've commissioned stories from or or just art to work with in the first place, just the, the original work for hire contracts. These people have been so excited with this project because they've never had this kind of, uh, creative freedom. Uh, they, they've never been told, um, at least by the traditional uh, publishing entities, uh, give this character the name that you want, the body type that you want, the race, the appearance that you want, um, you know, these are people who've worked in Marvel Comics or DC, um, people who have uh, encountered businesses in which, you know, the the major character uh, is a man, like a comic book character is a, is a man, and they have their own title. They've either had no women write that character or maybe one, and, you know, 50, 60, 70 years for that character. We're telling them, you do what you want with it. We're telling them if this character is um, – A woman, that's great. If you want to make that person young, great. If you want to make them not fit in with the traditional notions of how a person should appear in a lot of these movies and comics, they can be overweight or very thin or they can have an illness. They don't have to be glamorous. Um, You can do that. That's a value that other people, that a lot of these people aren't, aren't able to say that they're getting with these other arrangements. They're being editorialized, and what we're saying is we want you to keep it open.
2: Um, How are you going to deal with, uh, so because I come from a fan fiction background, um, fandom is really good at totally distorting different things of your characters, like there'll be fan art that gets progressively whiter or really focusing on different um, aspects of characters to the detriment of other positive characters. So how um, are you guys going to deal with that in terms of the collaborative space where now you've got users using other users' characters?
1: That's a great question. Uh, yeah. I have. And, and not just I, but the team. We have. We've had a lot of conversations about this. Um, so I'll, I'll give you at least two answers on it. One is that how we operate as a team uh, within an organization that is uh, flat or actively flattening, so we're working to make it non-hierarchical, Mm -hmm. is we're working to be a microcosm of the collaborative platform that we're building so where we run into issues those are opportunities for us to figure out how would that work as we expect other people to engage with this idea so in a sense we are i guess the original proving grounds or the pre-alpha for this project the other thing about, you know, well, how are we addressing the opportunity for people to whiten up characters or maybe, um, you know, take away a, a narrative that's homoerotic, you know, for certain characters because they're uncomfortable with it. I've done a lot of research on this, uh, a lot of reading about different fandom communities and how that's working. I follow certain blogs. I think there's a Tumblr blog that I look at, that I actually looked at before this job, called Fandoms Hate People of Color. I remember the first time I ran into it, I thought it was it was a kind of a polarizing title, you know, it's a very strong, it's a declarative statement. And uh I looked at the blog and found all these examples. They would look at an artist or they'd say, look at these storylines, or they'd come up with their own research. They'd say there's this many stories about Ray, but not very many stories about Finn, or there's this many stories about Kylo Kylo Ren and Rey, but not this many stories about Kylo Ren and, and this other character. Um, uh, and so that's kind yeah, of given Ren me a feel Hux for the engagement. Yeah,
2: yeah. you know,
1: so that's given me a feel for you know what what's already happening out there, and I look at the responses that people have, and I've I've seen. A, what's the the strongest and most enduring element of this. And there's all there's multiple blogs. It's like fandoms hate black people, which, you know, as a black person, I, I look at that one and I really appreciate it because it's, it's a, a validation of conversations I've had with friends or things that I've heard from friends when we're talking about our favorite shows or things we grew up with. But the strongest thing about all of that is the community. It's the fact that people are actively engaging with this and that they're demystifying it. And they're coming up with examples of why it's not working and figuring out what they want to do with it. I don't I don't look at the blog and get a lot of anxiety and think, oh no, they're destroying this idea because I say, Well if there's all these people that are actually responding to this and figuring out what they want to do with it, then there's hope. I I we've we've talked about trolling. We've talked about the fact that you're going to have uh people who instead of having like a racist character, wanna have, you know a, a racist, uh, toxic way of engaging with the community, right? Like it's not like violence or terrible things don't happen in this world. Where the the concern would be for, I guess you would say maybe a violence that goes against the narrative. You know, if people were to, somebody was going to say, well, the planet was was uh, was wiped uh, wiped away. You know, all women were gone or something like that. We wouldn't allow that. And we've already addressed that, at least in our first build of the community guidelines, and that's another document that you can download on our website. Um, It it was something that was co-developed between myself and one of the co-founders, Tyler Smith. You know, the people on the team, we don't all come from the same ideological background, so we have these these conversations, and it's, it's enriched our process. It's made it so that Uh, we can look at something like the community guidelines and know that we set that up as a document that was shared uh, with the whole team to look at, suggest, put comments in, and kind of wrestle with until we all felt like, okay, this is good enough for now.
2: Yeah, I imagine you'll get to experience some use cases as they pop up that fandom always surprises me uh, for good or for bad, so...
1: And I'm, I'm nodding my head. I'm in total agreement with you that it would definitely <laughs> want to be challenged. We're trying to set it up so that some of the the themes for what we're doing make it a little bit harder for people to engage in that stuff. I mean, I don't want, or not just myself, but the team and Igor who who got this all started. We don't want it to be, a you know, authoritarian per se. I mean, it goes against the principles of, of open source software and blockchain and whatnot for us all to have it extremely centralized. It's starting off centralized because we're the ones creating this this platform. But the goal is for it to be truly decentralized storytelling. You know, there will, just as you asked me the question about trolling behaviors, uh, there will be other people who ask those questions and who actively work to flag that kind of content or those kinds of behaviors
0: so, I actually, to bring to something that you said earlier about, like, blockchain technology, um, and you're talking about cyberpunk versus... Uh, Blockpunk. Blockchain yes, so talk to, as a the, uh, about
1: blockchain that. aesthetic. Sure. Yes. So, uh, we have multiple streams at work, and people who are on the publishing stream, I believe Frank was the one who authored this this title and and or we'll worked on this concept on our medium post and um, as a team we kind of you know worked on this idea like well how do we want to describe these things and so one thing that we worked on as a team was this whole idea of like what is the aesthetic so we have this shared document that we're working on figuring out what kind of articles we want to post and uh, this one is about black punk versus cyberpunk so um, Reading from the document under scope, Black punk, the scope for Black Punk is global. The scope for cyberpunk is local. Uh, the tone for Blackpunk is hopeful. While there's a, a, cyberpunk aesthetic is typically very nihilistic, and things are terrible. Um, uh, the views on technology are skeptical, uh, whereas with Black punk they're neutral. and that, that fits what we're doing in terms of saying, like, we want you to tell us the story. The way power is typically organized in a cyberpunk aesthetic, if you think about um, Wayland, yutani Corp and the the Aliens franchise or um, the, the company and Blade Runner, which unfortunately I cannot remember the name of, so please chime in if you remember. It's centralized. Um, for us, we're actually making it decentralized. Now, you have the AI, right? but we're having it decentralized by way of the factions. So you have humans,
2: you have AI
1: and other AI, smaller or I would say uh, lesser AI in terms of computational ability, uh, fighting for power, and then you have hybrids. So the Homo transcendence would be an example of like a hybrid faction. Uh, That would be what happens if you upload your body into a different physical form, maybe uh, a set of machinery that can... Uh, change its form to look like an insect or to fly like a a plane or to, you know, be underwater, be in the oceans. You, You know, at that point, maybe you're not sleeping anymore. If your mind is uploaded into a different physical form, you wouldn't have the same metabolic needs or functions. So the exciting thing about that is we don't have to tell you what that means. Somebody will look at that and think that it means, you know, very little. And another person will look at that and kind of run with it to, further explore um, all things related to the body. I think about some of my favorite science fiction films are by David Cronenberg, and he does uh, what I would call our like, body horror films. Mm-hmm. It's always about uh, our, our fight with the body um, or the horror that comes from the body. And so I would love for David Cronenberg to work with this, or maybe the spiritual successor, somebody who also has a fan for that style as myself. Now, one thing that is different is cyberpunk typically has, despite all the the nihilistic style of it and how negative things can be, the the color palette is often neon. Mm-hmm. You think about Blade Runner, you think about all these these garish advertisements for Coca-Cola, and there's that famous image of a woman uh, on the like that's a billboard ad, and it's all like neon. We're actually using muted colors for our, for our palettes to start. Um, with the aesthetic, we have a style guide uh, that was created by our, our designer uh, Octavian, uh, who develops these t-shirts for us that are out of this world. You, you can see them on certain YouTube shows and, and whatnot, uh, such as uh, the actual person who started Consensus, our parent company. He loves these shirts. He just wore it at our at our big uh, annual event, Ethereal. And, um, people kept asking him about the shirt, and he said, "You know you make an- am- amazing shirt, I'll wear it, and that's why he's wearing it because he likes the aesthetic and he's he's a big fan of what we're working on.
0: That's super cool, thank you yeah i um we're coming up on the hour, and we tend to to go about that about that long uh Kat, do you have any last questions that you would want to ask for Gregory
2: um No, I think. Uh I'm trying to think but um all I can think about is the all the Amazon when Amazon Worlds came out. Um I know there was a lot of conversation about how it kind of essentially monetized fandom, which is really based on a gift economy. So Mm-mm. um But I mean, this isn't, and that was still like, um, it's sort of like a hybrid because these are established brands and you could get paid for your stories, but you didn't have any ownership over your stories. Um, So if you were an Amazon Worlds writer, um, you couldn't say repackage your short storybook and then sell that from your personal website. So um, I guess I'm just, I'm really curious about like the setup of how um, your creators can sort of monetize their own thing? Because it sort of sounded like it would be like an in the hilarious like interface, or would it be like I can create a chat book of like my poems about this character and sell it on my Etsy site?
1: Good question. Um, so I will first answer by giving you an example of something we've already done. And then I'll try and extrapolate from there with an example of of what we can do. So one thing we've done is for the artists that we've commissioned work from is, you know, a lot of them will have something that's a physical piece of work and from there they'll digitize it. We'll say, we want the digital image. We want the rights to, to work with this, knowing that this is, this is our most restrictive contract. uh, As we, iterate this and create this this community Um, and as we create this platform we will be less and less restrictive we're just making sure that we're we're working within current laws and that we are uh, able to have something that people can look at and play with but even with this structure we're already doing something that they haven't had previously which is we're saying okay we have the rights to the digital image or images you've created for us Um, anything that we're Anything that we want, though, that we've, seen, we've made eight different things, the only things that we're keeping, or the only things that we're paying for are the things that we're keeping. So let's say you made eight different images for us and we take two of them. You do what you want with the other six. If you were working for Disney and you were working on a movie, let's say Black Panther, which is one of my favorite movies, and, you know, a Hallmark or or at least a, a major tent uh in the, the Afrofuturist futurist um style for sci-fi you could create all these different outfits for black panther and for eric kilmong and all these other people you're not going to get a chance to own that you're going to go with one thing that's going to be in the movie and then that's it you don't get to own the other work that's that's in their vault forever they might never use it um they might use it for a costume design that's never attributed to you that's attributed to a completely different character like oh we like that vest we'll put it on goofy Even when you meant it for, you know, somebody Like a a Marvel Comics movie Um, The other thing is That we do that I would say is pretty radical Is think about the physical art That you created, you did a painting And then you digitized it for us We say that that physical art, that's yours You make money off of that for the rest of, of your life We only ask for the first right of refusal So if and when you choose to sell it We want the ability to buy it from you At a fair market value that's it keep your money keep your make your money keep your art as we go further along this path as we learn more from the artists that we work with as we actively engage with them to find out you know what works best for them how do we make sure that not only do you eat but you thrive that you have uh pride in what you're doing that you keep coming back to us because you're enjoying the business relationship and you're enjoying the 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 creative license that you have we want to make sure that we we can continue to develop and change in a way that provides an advantage to them cool does that make Thanks
2: sense?
1: so much yeah no it does and if you have I time to edit, we share oh go ahead
0: i, I actually was supposed to say i've forgotten kindle worlds existed so like thank you for that <laughs> deep cut because that's sort of an interesting thing to think about um sorry you huh. were saying uh gregory
1: I, so oftentimes I think about this project in terms of, like, what do other people not understand about it or what do other people think about it in terms of value? Because obviously I'm inside of it right now. I'm one of the people who's working on this and who's responsible for developing this project. But I think about, you know, what would my nephew like or what would the young Gregory like? And so I think about the fact that when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I would look at things like Dragon Ball Z, which was very popular with a lot of kids, but they had, like, a cult following among a lot of, like, black nerds. We used to write our own uh, stories. We used to do sketches. We used to spend uh, time in the lunchroom talking about what we thought would happen in the next episodes. I realize this now as an adult, as a child, I didn't really think about it too much, but we also figured out which characters were black. So Skeeter and Doug was black. Oh,
2: Pickle for sure. Piccolo was
1: black. Um, Panther and the Thundercats was black. It was like it was it was it was core canon for us. You sat down on the table and you knew that. It wasn't a thing we really had to discuss. We had agreed that Popo or Mr. Popo was racist and therefore not black or like we didn't identify <laughs> with it. But but we made it our own. You know what I mean? And I'm just like a that's just a small example. Like I'm I'm not even talking about like well what are women doing when they're looking at these things. You look at the, the fighters team or whatever for Dragon Ball Z, it's all men. But the the uh, if the only other person who's a woman is an android, like Android 18. There's very few of the characters that are formidable fighters. I think recently we just had their first Saiyan character who's a woman. So, um, and that's what probably 30 years later from when the franchise began, or 40 years. So, I look at all those things, and I think that if we can skip time, we don't have to wait 40 years for people to 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 get what they need of the narrative, then we're really going to have a lot of success if we if we leave it open to that. And I have a lot of faith, faith in that uh, just based on what the younger Gregory would be proud of at this point. If this was available to me at that time, I'd be super excited
2: about it.
0: Well, thank you again. Um, I think this is a really interesting proposition uh, for folks who are looking for a creative space to write, draw, Role play uh, that really wants their participation, and we'll let them to c- continue to have a, a piece of it, um, rather than just sort of drawing their energy and either ignoring it or yelling at them for caring too much or criticizing them for making everything gay. A uh, a a, a oh, can I speak I to that really yeah,
1: quickly? Yes.
0: Uh, sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, you can have gay characters. You can have gay relationships. You know, I see that a lot in the fandoms. That oftentimes there's a lot of bi queer. Uh, gay lesbian erasure in storylines. There's characters that, that clearly have affection for one another and people will ship certain relationships like what is it, Finn and Poe or yeah. uh, Bucky and Captain America. So there's there's space for that. You wanna put that you know in your stories, uh that's great. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna stop that. Uh if somebody else is writing a story that, you know, doesn't have very much of that, then that's fine too. I don't know, we want everybody to kind of find community for the things that they're most interested in here, as small as you know it follows the community guidelines.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think like people saying yes, please feel free to make everything gayer is uh, the right approach to take with fans and with the world at large, and with, with 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 all meals, with really anything you engage with in the world, you know, make it more diverse, make it more LGBTQ inclusive, have have more diversity of all different kinds. Um, and have that be something that you guys are enthusiastic about and want people to see and view as a core value of what you're doing. And I think that sounds really cool. So um, let our listeners know, how can they sign up for the, uh, to be part of the alpha test um, or the, the alpha release of the world?
1: Yeah, if you want to have an opportunity to have say in what happens next as we're building this platform, if you're an artist, if you're a creative If you're a crypto enthusiast, if you are someone who just likes to read different stories, go to our website at Network, C-E-L-L-A-R-I-U-S, solarius.network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K. And it's the first button under the logo, which is an eye. Uh, It looks like it has like omnidirectional eyelashes. It's just these lines coming out of the eye, very creepy and beautiful at the same time. They'll say apply to our alpha, click on it, put information in there. I am collecting demographic information on people who engage, but it's purely opt-in. Uh, I ask that you do it, but you are not obligated to do it, uh, and the information for that would be like, oh, what's your age or where do you live, uh, like what country are you coming from, what's your, what's your gender, um, what race do you identify with. And we've tried to keep those categories open if for some reason you're putting in demographic information and it's not descriptive enough for you, you think there's something we should have asked that we didn't ask, give us that feedback. We are not going to be like other companies. We want to hear from you. It's a prize for us, um, and it's, a, it's to your benefit because for a change, you'll be working with an entity that's specifically designed to respond to what you want and make sure that you get more of it.
0: Cool. Thank you. Um, and Kat, Cat Overland, where can our readers, uh, listeners, I should say, uh, keep up with your, with your, uh, own critical work. Uh,
2: you can find me on Twitter at dog underwater, and you can find my reviews at women write about comics and, uh, Ms. Onsen.
0: Oh, cool. Some, some criticism too. That's great. Really, really glad to yep. hear it. Um, well, thank you guys for joining me again, and um, I'm looking forward to keeping an eye on the hilarious universe. Big, big project. Can I add our really? Instagram
1: oh. and Twitter as yes. well?
0: Yes, do that. Do that.
1: Our Instagram is hilarious2084, uh, kind of like 1984, but you know, a little bit later in time. Uh, <laughs> solarius 2084 is the Instagram. solarius 2084 is the Twitter. We have a Medium blog, so you can get all these different posts about how are we setting this up or what are we doing next, so you can learn a little bit more about how we're organizing this process of, of universe platform creation. And then you can email me directly if you want to. If you have questions, criticisms, feedback, um, you want to know when is this alpha information going to be available, email me directly at Gregory at network. Uh, Before you do so, please check out the frequently asked questions at the bottom of our website, network.
0: Well, thank you, guys. Um, For anyone who came to the podcast late, you can listen to the whole thing on our website uh, probably tomorrow. Um, We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, all at Graphic Policy. Just look us up on Graphic Policy wherever you get podcasts, and you can all listen to the podcast from the beginning there. Um, Next week uh, is Oh, my God, Deadpool is getting released on Friday. So next week I know that friend of the show, Sarah Rasher, will be joining me to talk about uh, Deadpool, which we're getting to see together. We'll probably have another guest who I will announce soon as well for that. And, um, and then there will be even more to come in the new month as summer is upon us. So there's a couple of really cool series that are launching. I'm going to get some interviews with those writers on the show um and uh yeah so again this is ilana with graphic policy radio be sure to check out graphicpolicy.com every day we have new news reviews views essays i have a post coming up probably today actually taking a look at the first two issues of gail simone's new series domino over at marvel um you can find me on twitter ilana underscore brooklyn i'm on twitter all the damn time very easy to reach sad to say <laughs> um and uh thank you and as we always like to say at graphic policy Keep it geeky.